you want to keep good people. You want to hire good people, you want to train good people, you want to maintain good people, and you want them to stay. Hey there, this is Dev, and you're listening to the People at Work podcast. The People at Work podcast is brought to you by Jostle. And at Jostle, we believe that experiences at work should be truly phenomenal. And because of that, we spend a lot of our time thinking about and talking to people who are actually leading the way with improving the employee experience um, for everyone at work. So I'm really excited today to be speaking with Eric Hansen. And Eric is the CFO slash COO at Red Peg Marketing near Washington, D.C., He has been a C-level executive for more than 15 years with a focus on finance, operations, personnel development, and change management. He has an MBA from Darden and a BS in finance from Georgetown. But when it comes to financial strategy, what I've come to learn is that Eric isn't your typical CFO. He's known around his office as the culture and cash guy, and he believes when marketing and finance tango together, beautiful things can happen. So today we're going to chat about why Eric believes building out a company's culture is integral to his role as CFO. And in some companies, there can be a bit of a disconnect between the CFO and the company culture. So I'm really looking forward to learning more about Eric and his views on this topic. So I can't wait for this conversation to get going. And welcome, Eric. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about how you came to be known as the culture and cash guy, (laughs) which seems very conventional yet really progressive? Right. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, I appreciate being here. The, uh, yeah, the culture and cash guy. So, um, you know, backgrounds in finance and I, you know, had a lot of experience just doing financial reporting and financial analysis and things like that. And it's something that I was good at, but I wasn't really fulfilled with that piece of it. And I just realized that the more, I got involved in a company's culture and operations and things like that, that were tied to the finance piece, uh, the more excited I got about what I was doing at work. And the more excited I got, the more I realized, okay, well, working for a professional services company where payroll and employee costs are typically 65 to 70% of your overall uh, operating costs, that's a huge investment. And if you're investing that much money in people, and you want to get the most out of people, then you want to establish a culture that people are going to be excited about coming to work, about finding a purpose at work. And it's not just what's written in their job responsibilities. And so as you, as they get more excited, um, you're going to get that return on investment of people much more than if you're just a typical CFO that's looking at sheets and, um, you know, hide behind the numbers sometimes. So that's where it came from. You know, I, uh, you know, Culture is first for me. I spend 60 to 65% of my time on the culture piece of it than on the finance piece of it. Um, and it's not the culture and finance guy either. It's the, it's the cash guy. And one, one of the things that we do as part of our culture is we, we like to reward employees for helping with employee referrals or helping with business development or helping us with saving money. It's Free Money Monday. I pass cash out to people to, to reward them for um, fulfilling some of these objectives that we have um, as part of our culture growth initiative. So that's where it that's came amazing. from. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's uh, there's so much unconventionality happening here right now. That's that's amazing. And how how do your employees respond to you just passing cash around? Like, what's well, the sort of feeling in the room when that happens? <laughs> they they tend to like it. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think they think I walk around with $100 bills in my pocket all the time. But it, it definitely builds on each other. When someone sees um, someone else getting a few hundred dollars in cash, they want to do the same thing. I mean, that's, yeah. as I said, it's Free Money Monday where they get to get to have this cash. So um, yeah. it's, these, it's these incentives that really go a long way. It's, it's, you know, a lot of it is built on momentum too, that you know, people want to be more involved with it. I've heard of a lot of perks and rewards and recognition components that companies have, but I've never heard of the actual cold, hard cash being handed out. <laughs> <laughs> um, not that there's anything wrong with it, but I'm just wondering, how do you find, um, when you first started doing that, did you have some concerns that people would be just doing something for the cash or, and you know, the, the, perhaps the quality of what they were, were working on suffered because they just wanted to get the reward? Or like, what's your feeling been as, as that sort of evolved over time? Has it, has it always been a positive thing? Uh, I feel like it's always been a positive thing. I mean, it's, it's not a slam dunk to earn the cash. Um, I think I like to approach anything that uh, I talk about in terms of initiatives. I start with the why and what, what's the intent of what we're doing. I think employee referral right. is a big piece of that. Um, where we reward people with cash. And I think there's just a difference between receiving cash in front of everyone, getting the personal recognition and getting the money versus just putting something in their paycheck that they're not going to get the personal recognition and it's just something that's going to end up in their bank account. It's not something tangible that they can see. And so that has really, um, we've had a lot of success with it. And employee referrals, as you know how expensive it is to hire a new employee, and course, if you don't yes. know the employee, there's only so much you can get out of an interview. You know, you, you may have a string of four to five half hour interviews. There's only so much you can get out of that versus someone who has worked with someone that they had a good experience with. And we've had a hundred percent success rate with employee referrals since I started here. Meaning that every employee who was referred to us by someone else is still an employee here. It's a hundred percent retention. To the point where we have one person who came on board, referred someone else, that person then referred someone else, and that person referred someone else. So oh, it's, you're kidding. Wow. it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it definitely says something about your culture, too, and the type of organization that you're creating at Red Peg, because, you know, the fact that people want to refer people and they want to bring their friends into your business, that speaks volumes, right? So. Um, you know, kudos to you for, for creating that kind of environment. So what else are you doing other than cash for recognizing people? What's your culture around sort of notes of thanks or tap on the back or like, what else do you do around recognizing people? Um, there's, there's a few things. One thing that I personally started this year is just a goal of mine to start writing more um, combined with the, um, I have a Rain Man-esque ability to remember dates. And so I, I know everyone's anniversary date here when they started at Red Peg. And so I combine those two things together to write notes of gratitude to them when they hit their anniversary. Um, and it, it's one of those things that I, you know, I, on their anniversary, I go, I hand them an envelope with the, with the note in it. And I think that their first reaction is, oh, wow, I'm getting a, an envelope from the CFO. There must be money in it. Uh, there's not. <laughs> Um, it's a note and I, I feel like it, it's gone well, but for me personally, I, I just, you know, writing notes of gratitude have really um, made a difference because you love the people that you work with and you appreciate everything that they do. But when you take that, you know, 10, 15 minutes to write down notes of what you truly appreciate about them over the last year, um, it was really rewarding for me. So that was one piece of it for me personally that I, that I did 
uh, differently this year. Um, we have a couple other things as far as uh, recognition. At our Monday huddles, our, our staff meetings every Monday, we have what are called shout outs, where people um, commend someone else for doing uh, something great during the week, whether it's related to a client, whether it's related to helping someone else out, whether it's something about you know helping out at the office. Uh, so we have those shout outs and we also use uh, Tiny Pulse. Have you heard of Tiny Pulse? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so they've cheers, they've cheers for peers. And so this is, it's still public um, because people, if you're on Tiny Pulse, you can see the cheers that people are sending out to someone else. Um, we also started putting these cheers for peers um, on our main monitor uh, right outside our conference room. So people can walk by and they can see the cheers that people are giving to each other. It's just on a, a rolling loop throughout the day. And so I think yeah. it's just, again, that it's one of those things that builds on itself. You see all these cheers for peers and you're like, oh, I want to do that too. And you go on and, and you commend someone else. So those are the sorts of things that I think as far as appreciation goes outside of the cash piece of it, that really have uh, built a lot of momentum with us this year. Because you want people to feel like, You want them to be excited about coming to work. Of course. Yeah, and it, it seems like you've got a very like a visible um, way of demonstrating recognition or thanks or building teamwork. That it's on display and it, it does sort of build on itself as you, as you were saying. Right. Um, so just to switch gears a little bit into your background and sure. what was it that made you interested in the culture piece? Because obviously you, you had started your career on, you know, the, the finance number side of things. And right. um, generally that doesn't lead to a, a, a strong interest in the, the, the culture piece. So what right. was it? How were you exposed to the culture side of things? And, and how did you decide that you were going to build that into your career going forward? Uh it probably started with my uh, previous uh, role. I was the chief operating officer at a, a TV post-production company called Henniger Media Services. I was there for 13 years. I was their COO, uh, but I was heavily involved with the numbers as well. But there, there was a CFO there. Uh, but again, as part of the role of the COO, you're more involved with the operations. You're more involved with that one-on-one -on -one touch points with the employees. And the more one-on-one -on -one touch points you have with employees or with departments, the more you realize how what you need to do to get the most out of them obviously the, the first thing for me is just genuinely caring for them caring for their professional development caring for them as a person caring that they are happy and fulfilled and are passionate about what they're doing and the, the more i got involved with that the more i thought well it's not on a one-on-one -on -one basis department basis like what can i do company-wide to really enhance culture of a company because again from a CFO standpoint and I'm looking at the numbers if I'm just hiding behind a spreadsheet that has you're doing the analysis of what happened and you're putting together projections and things like that but if you don't have that human interaction and are not integrally involved with the day-to-day -day operations and the culture of a company you're not going to get the best out of people and so here I you know I thought well I have an impact because I understand the financial piece of it but I can make a bigger impact by focusing on the culture and the people and really um, making the most out of the investment that we have with, with the people. So that's how I got into the culture piece of it. And I did that for a long time at Henninger and um, you know, I've been at Red Peg for three years. And again, my priority is the, the culture side of things. And you, know, you wanna surround yourself um, with people who bring the best out of you. And in order for that to happen, you have to, you have to 
you have to be the one that starts that. You're the one that has to care for them genuinely and want them to be happy and fulfilled and excited. I would agree with that. And creating that kind of culture does start with the leaders actually behaving in that way and showing up in the way that you know, does demonstrate that caring and that kindness and that interest in people beyond what their input at work is. And right. I've definitely seen just in the past year or so, there does seem to be more of a, a focus on the whole person at work. And yeah. I guess it goes hand in hand with a, a bit of a trend at the moment around the humanization of workplaces. And, um, you know, I think more and more C-suite executives are realizing that it really is about people and not just people as your human resources. It's people right. as right. full people with, you know, their, their skills and, and problems and loves and hates and right. all the things that, that come with us as crazy human beings. So when you're speaking to your peers, I don't know if you belong to any professional associations for more of the, the, the finance accounting side of things. Are, are you seeing that people at, at your level in businesses are turning around their thinking to this more human approach to their workforce? Yes, I, I have definitely seen a lot of that. Um, you know, the, the senior leadership team here uh, is fully on board with all of that. I mean, I, I think that if they weren't, they wouldn't thrive at Red Peg. It wouldn't be the place for them. Um, but in my peer group, I'm in a part of an executive forum group of uh, key executives. So it's a bunch of CFOs, COOs, CIOs. Um, same thing for them as well. They're seeing more and more, the more they invest in people and genuinely care for people. And it's not just paying lip service, but really caring about them as human being, as you said, crazy human beings, like every, everyone's got their challenges inside of work, outside of work. And mm. you know, everyone's just trying to get by, right? So yep. um, taking a, a, a real interest in every human that you're surrounded with really makes a huge difference. And I think I've seen that more and more. I think it's, it's obviously the growing trend and uh, you know, I'm seeing more CFOs uh, take that path as well and really understand that you, you can't all be about numbers. You know, you can't just think, oh, well, are we have too many people here so I'm just gonna delete this person from my strategy. Like that's not, that's not how the world yeah. works. Yeah. Yeah, and I think as we're starting to have more data points and we're gathering more information about how people are feeling at work, whether it's through sentiment surveys or like you've got the tiny pulse in your office. Um, I don't know if you do sentiment surveys, but I know that you can do that with those yeah. types of tools. I think we're starting to be able to quantify what it actually looks like for workplaces who have a happy, engaged workforce versus ones sure. that don't, more so than ever before. And I think the other thing that we're starting to see is being able to really wrap our heads around what the true cost is of an unengaged employee versus a, right. an engaged employee. Right. And I, I mean, you, you probably know more about that than me. So perhaps um, tell us a little bit about how you think about the return that you get when you're creating this environment that actually lets people thrive versus not. Well, you know, a lot of it comes down to you, you want to keep good people. You want to hire good people. You want to train good people. You want to maintain good people and you, you want them to stay. Um, we, we've put a lot of things in place uh, over the three years that I've been here. When I started, retention was below 60%. It was what, our biggest challenge. And it was a challenge It's part of the reason I came on board here, because I felt like it was a challenge um, that I could succeed with. I, you know, I could see where some of the issues were. I could see where people were thriving and how do I get more people 
to thrive. And retention is now at 90%. It's, you know, for a marketing agency that I, I believe would have to be above average. I mean, 90 is pretty good mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. any company. Um, so to go from below 60 to 90 in just three years, a lot of it comes down to our culture. And it's, um, I think one of the, the best things about Red Peg is the opportunity that we give everyone here from an entry level person all the way up to C-suite. We want people all across the board to come up with ideas and initiatives that, you know, what are their passion points? Where would they feel fulfilled? What initiative, what, what group would they like to be a part of that we don't currently have that, you know, outside of their job description, they're gonna come to work because they're excited about this. And that this, you know, over the last couple of years, we've started Women's Red Peg. So this is a group of uh, women who, who get together uh, monthly, they've actually this year extended it to uh, males as well, um, because you know, there's there's a lot that men, that that men can learn about women in the workplace. So um, there's a lot of issues that are that are discussed that I think there's a lot of learning for men as well. So we started that employee resource group. We recently started Red Pegsters of Color, uh, similar thing. Um, so we have Red Pegsters of Color. We have Women of Red Peg. We started some clubs. Um, we have our innovation club. We have a gardening club called Red Peg Grows. Um, there's just a lot of things that whatever that touch point is that people get excited about, it's another reason for them to stay. You know, they're gonna find their job description. They're gonna go and have a piece of paper, the job description's on it, the goals are on it, whatever it is. They can find that at any company because a Client service person manager here is the same as a client service manager as far as roles and responsibilities. But what they may not find at another company are these pieces of culture that are adding to their passion, that are adding to being fulfilled at work that they may not find somewhere else. And they find like people. And if they can't find their niche here, we encourage them to create that niche. If they're not the person that they don't feel like they're a leader, they don't feel like they can start it, there's got to be someone else here that wants to have that niche fulfilled, right? And so, you know, find two or three other people and start that initiative or start that club or whatever, um, whatever it is that you want to do. How many people do you have at Great Peg? Uh, we have 65 full-time. And um, we've about, over the course of the year, between 35 to 40 seasonal employees where they work anywhere mm -hmm. from two months to 10 months on contract. Um, and then we hire between 1,500 and 2,000 brand ambassadors a year. So these are the people oh gosh, that are yeah. the ones that are at our events um, all around the country. That's a yeah, lot that's of a different lot. people to kind of bring along with your your mission and your vision, right? For yes. the, the culture that you're, you're creating because lots of different kinds of employees and, um, and are the 65, are they based in your office there in Washington? Uh, most of them are here. Uh, we do have some remote staff. Um, we have uh, seven remote staff right now. Um, some people that aren't here, they'll come every other week or a couple times a week or, you know, things like that. Some people once a quarter. Um, but it's good. I mean, with technology these days, it's very easy to, to have them as part of the culture as well. I mean, one, one of the key things that we do once a quarter is we have a quarterly kickoff. And that's when the whole staff is here in Alexandria. So all the remote staff is here. Um, it doesn't include the field staff, the brand ambassadors, but the, the core like people. And what it is, it's uh, a couple hours of presentations. Usually it's you know, if we're kicking off a new initiative or an update or maybe it's some training component or interactive component. 
that happens in the morning and then in the afternoon we do a group team building activity. Um, it's not always team building, um, you know, like this last summer we got in a boat and went up and down the Potomac River to check out the monuments and things like that. Other times it'd be like a scavenger hunt around Old Town or at a, at a museum or something like that. That is more team building, but it is an activity that's not in the office. And so we try to make it so each of the teams are made up of people in different departments and making sure that the remote staff, have, you know, they're working, they're on a team with people that don't, they wouldn't normally interact with over the phone or over the computer or whatever it is. So it, it's good to at least have those four touch points every year. Yeah, that's incredible. What I'm hearing from you is it's the visibility of those connections and interactions and just you seem to really be cultivating a togetherness and a really having people uh, not only be with each other, but recognize right. each other as right. far as possible. And so when you arrived at Red Peg and you said that the, the retention at that point was below 60%, what was your biggest challenge that you first overcame when you took on the new role? Um, a lot of it is just working with the key people and just trying to figure out what is it, you know, everyone has their breaking point, right? It's a, it's a question I always ask in interviews. What are the one or two things that will make you stay at a company for 10 years? And what are the one or two things that will make you leave? And so I, you know, tried to tried to figure out from the key people that we wanted to keep, what is it that they're excited about staying here for? You know, what's missing that they might leave because it's missing? Mm -hmm. um, and what are their concerns? What is, you know, what is, I mean, you know how it is when people are leaving consistently from a company, people who aren't thinking about leaving all of a sudden think about leaving. It's like, okay, there must be something wrong here. Something toxic, something about the culture, something about the finances that no one's telling me. Why are people leaving? If you can swing that the other way where people are staying and you're not, uh, if people aren't leaving, then I think people get more content, more excited about, yeah, this is a place I want to be because clearly a lot of other people think it's a place they want to be. Um, so that was really the biggest piece is you had, you had to stop the bleeding and, and turn the corner to make sure that um, people are excited about, excited about being here. And it was during a time too that there's a lot of changes at the senior leadership level. And so it wasn't just me, um, you know, the, the president just had started a couple, the new president started a couple of months before me. Um, and there's just a lot of new leadership. And when all the new leadership was on the same page, as far as how we we're going to tackle this problem, it really made a big difference because it wasn't just coming from one person or two people, it was the entire team. And if the staff sees that coming from the entire team, well, that's a different mentality for your culture than just relying on one or two people. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it does definitely have that, that ripple effect and that momentum, sort of the upswell effect that takes place. So as you were turning your attention to meshing your culture and finance roles, can you share one of the lessons you've learned along the way that our listeners might benefit from if they're in a similar journey themselves. Um, can you repeat that so I can understand the... Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm sure that there are, are others out there who are attempting to build their cultures coming from perhaps non-conventional roles right. that would sure. not be culture focused. And perhaps if you've got a lesson that you learned along the way, that might help others um, not make the same mistake or not you know, trip <laughs> over what they're trying right. to do. 
Um, right. Is there something you could share that would be helpful? Yeah, I think a, a couple things. One is um, you have to make it a priority. You can't just say, I want to do this and that, and not have it be a priority. You need to be deliberate about it. I have a budget line item for culture and it's six figures. I mean, this is something that, okay, we are not just saying, hey, culture is great, but this is something where we're deliberate about it. We plan for it, it's in the budget, and we have a whole plan throughout the year as to how we're going to tackle the different culture initiatives, whether it's fun initiatives or training initiatives or what the staff can do to be more engaged and more excited and more fulfilled um, in, in the day. So I would say, you know, make it a priority, be deliberate about it, and, um, involve as many people as possible. You can say everyone here has an opportunity to make a difference and, and have an impact. It's another to help them make that impact. It's another thing to find out what are their passion points and how do I help them fulfill those passion points at work? How many people are involved with that? And there may not be a stickiness to it because maybe 15 people want to do it at first and it's like, okay, well, that's not really for me. And, but now it's nine or 10, or it may go to 20 or 25. Um, but there's always a lot more people than you think um, that will want to be involved. And so I just encourage people to speak up. And I think, especially for the more junior people that only have one or two years experience or brand new walking through the door, when they see people at their level with their level of experience doing these sorts of things, they're going to do it as well because they're, they're going to know it's not just lip service coming from senior leadership. This is something that they truly believe in. And I would say most of the key initiatives didn't come from senior leadership. It came from more of the junior ranks, which is fantastic. I mean, that it gives them Absolutely. all leadership opportunity as well. They may not be managing people. They may not have, a typical leadership position, but they're leading something else. They're leading something that's related to their passion. Many times it's a lot more uh, fulfilling than leading or managing people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you can have that multi-directional focus and commitment to building culture, and, and in many respects, it, it just organically happens. And obviously that would be the ideal situation is if right. <laughs> you know people are just part of building your culture. It's not this okay. today is we kick off our culture building initiative. You know, it's, it's right. actually just by being there and being themselves and communicating and leading and participating and uh, being authentic um, and really caring. Uh, you know, I think those things just all come together to naturally create a culture and the culture happens whether you plan for it or not. So it's just about, defining what type of culture you want to have and then right. um, starting with leaders and hoping that you know everyone else sort of uh, takes part in their own way yeah absolutely yeah and you have to have fun with it too i mean it's you have to enjoy it yourself or else you're not going to be as engaged right it's not just making it a priority but really making it something that you get excited about have fun with i think a, a clear example of that is we have a our savings initiative here and there's a difference between a CFO getting up in front of the staff and saying we need to save money you all need to save money let's get at it we gamified it and we made it a contest we did it by the seven teams and each of the teams um, would report back on a weekly basis at our weekly huddle how much money did we save this week oh I saved two hundred dollars on this plane ticket oh we shared an uber together uh, I started bringing in my own mugs of using the, the cups, you know, I saved $8 and people have fun with it. We give awards for not just how much money you save, but how creative can you be in making those savings? And we put stickers on helmets and 
um, little pegs and battleships and things like that. Like we, we change it up every year, but, and we give gift cards for it. I mean, there's, there is a money component in the end, but the, it's not like you're breaking the bank. You're, you know, making $25, $50. Um, yeah. But they have fun with it. It's a competition and, and you know, at, we saved $2 million in three years just from this initiative. And so you can see the difference that there's a difference between a directive, you need to do this and a, hey, we're all in this together. This is the why, this is our intent. Yeah. Let's have at it, let's have fun with it. Yeah, and I think that just comes back to what you were saying earlier about people really wanting to be in their organization. And if you do really care about being there, you care about the, the health and wellness of you know, the, the financial wellness of the company, as well as the health and wellness of others around you, right? So if you can build that kind of commitment um, through the various ways that you've, you've talked about and have obviously been successful in doing that with, I mean, your retention speaks for itself. So, um, you know, congratulations on what you're doing you. at, uh, <laughs> at Red Peg and, and uh, yeah, please keep it up. Before we close, um, do you have a favorite book or some sort of resource perhaps that you could recommend for our listeners to check out that has maybe helped you in your uh, career that you find either inspirational or or just you know mechanically helpful in in how you've grown as a, a culture ambassador uh it's interesting i'm trying to think of one related to culture i think you know, my favorite book that i've i've probably read four times at this point is the four agreements and I think there's just a lot of components in there that it doesn't talk to culture, but it talks about, it's more about human interaction mm -hmm. and how to treat people and things like that. And I think that's really related to, that's at the forefront of creating a, a positive culture and a positive workplace. And that, that's just one that really has resonated with me. And, you know, every couple of years I'll pick it up and read it again, especially if you can read the book in 24 hours usually. So. Well, that's a fantastic recommendation. Thank you. I have not yet read it, but I, I've actually had that book um, recommended to me just quite recently. So I okay. um, will go and pick it up and, and check it out. Nope. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think ultimately what we have to realize is we are humans and we happen to work in workplaces together. So how we relate to one another should start with how we relate to each other as humans, not right. as, you know, boss and employee or, right, exactly. uh, you know, whatever the sort of traditional structures in workplaces so i think if you start with part of your culture if if you are choosing to have a positive culture is choosing to understand human interactions and interpersonal behavior and how do you relate with one another right so well fabulous well thank you for speaking with me today it's it's been really great to get to know you quickly in in 30 odd minutes um and uh yeah your your company is certainly very lucky to have you and i i wish you well and hope that your retention continues to climb all right well thank you it was a it was my pleasure i really enjoyed meeting you and uh look forward to talking soon wonderful thanks thanks for listening to this episode of people at work it would mean a lot to us if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the more people discover the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to ensure that you don't miss an episode. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can reach me at bev at jostle.me or find me on LinkedIn. Until next time, take care.